from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. Listen now for the word of the Lord. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your word. I pray that whatever wisdom we would glean from it would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So John takes liberties with the story of Jesus that other gospel texts don't take. Um, and this is actually one of his liberties. This is a portion of one of his great liberties with the text. This is from the farewell discourse, as the scholars call it. And uh, it's this great speech that Jesus gives to his disciples. It's his final speech, actually. So the, the story goes in John that right after the Last Supper, Jesus stands up and he tells his disciples all the things that he would like to leave them with. This happens after everyone has finished their wine, after their feet had been washed, after the bread had been eaten. Jesus stands. And you know, we might say that that's actually a really great time to make a speech, right? Because uh, if you've ever been at the end of a dinner party, you've had your wine, you've had your drink, you're feeling pretty good, you're relaxed, and now's a great time to tell you what I really think when there are slurred words and drooping eyes. And Jesus, for John, must have been very concerned there. It's the end of his life, and he must be very concerned that the disciples stick together. And I felt, you know, as evidenced by the title of the sermon, that John's Jesus is so concerned that the disciples are fighting way too much. And he had them now at just the right time after this 
Last Supper. One final feast, one final message to them. And maybe Jesus is thinking that, well, maybe something will stick. I've, I've been doing this for a while now. We've been having these same conversations over and over. Maybe now something will stick with them. And so I paraphrase, but Jesus essentially says, would you all just stop fighting and love one another? My mom used to say, I wish you all would just stop fighting and get along, right? Anyone else have a mother that said that? One of you, okay. <laughs> but really, how many times does he remind them, just in these short, these few passages, how many times does he say, love one another, love one another? You know, that phrase is so interesting because when we say it, or at least when I say it, I think of a hippie saying it almost, you know, like, hey, everyone, we just got to love one another. We just need to get along, guys, you know? We can kind of strip it of its meaning, forget how powerful it really is. And as I was reading it this past week, it actually reminded me a lot of something my mother once said to me. You know, my sisters and I fought a lot, like a, like a whole lot, and I know that siblings fight, and maybe the amount of fighting we did was normal, I don't know, but I know it really got to my mother. It really got to her, and it got to her so bad that she sat me down one day, and some of you remember days like this when an adult in your life sits you down and says, I've got something to tell you. In those moments, my stomach would sort of begin to crinkle together and you get so, so nervous that, oh, I, I've probably done something wrong. I'm going to get grounded. I know I've messed up. But she just said she had something that we needed to talk about. And I wasn't in trouble. She had some family secrets to share with me. Every family has secrets, and I'm sure Jesus' inner circle had secrets. In fact, I'm, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they were whispering to one another while he was speaking. What's the occasion of this feast? What's he going on and on about this for? Why can't we just fall asleep? Jesus knew, and so did another, that this was actually the end of his life, that he had already been sold to the high priest's he was on his way to the end. And so there was at least one secret in that room. And perhaps no one else was any wiser. I won't dare repeat what my mother told me that day, but she revealed to me sides of my sisters that I actually didn't know about before. She revealed struggles and pain, hurt feelings, really hard things. And she told me while she was crying, I just want you to love one another. Please, listen to me. She was always saying something like that. Listen to me, listen, would you listen? Listen, listen to me. I'm sure Jesus was always saying that too. I'll never forget, you know, I saw the depth of my mother's love that day. 
It reminds me now of that verse in Isaiah that we often read at funerals. As a mother comforts her children, so I will comfort you. My mother wanted to comfort us through unity. She wanted to comfort her children through love, through mutuality, through what we might call a deep friendship. No more fighting, no more struggling with one another, but only us together, united, struggling against the world because, as my mother knew, there was enough to struggle against in the world without fighting with each other. She wanted to bring healing to our lives, healing, community, and family. And I always think on days like today, we, we would always say we loved her, you know, and, and we did. We, we love our mother. And I'm sure Jesus had so many disciples saying how much they loved him too. And I think about, you know, God answering all the prayers that must ascend to the throne with all these people saying how much they love him. But you heard what Jesus says in this passage, right? If you love me truly, you won't pay lip service to me. You won't just worship me with your words. You'll do what I command. Love one another. We often say we love people, but do we mean it? And today, you know, I wonder if that's what my mother was thinking every single Mother's Day. As we said, love you, Mom. Love you. Love you. I'm sure she did. I'm sure she still appreciated it too, though. Love one another. She asked me for help that day that we sat down and talked. And she told me, just love your sisters, please. She said they needed to know that their brother loved them. You know, I remember thinking, I, I really hated that maybe they didn't know that. I hated who I had been, who I'd chosen to be, even though I was just a little child. I was maybe 11 or 12. I didn't want them to grow up not feeling that love. And my mother reassured me that I, I wasn't responsible for the pain. I wasn't responsible for the struggle. These were just things that sometimes happen in lives, but she did say I could be a part of a solution. I could help. I could love my sisters. In marriage counseling here, we always tell couples that, you know, we're on a journey with them. Pastor Sarah and I are not experts on how to live a successful marriage. But just because we're not experts doesn't mean that we haven't learned things along the way. And one of the things that we try to hammer home is actually exactly this message. Love one another. And often that seems trite, right? It sounds like something, as I said, that a hippie might say. It's overused, it's cliche, it's whatever you want to call it. But when we get them to dive deeper into what it actually means to love someone and we start really discussing this, we reveal that love is really a choice all the time. And it's a feeling just some of the time. We talk to them about research that actually suggests all of this. We give them data that says, look, if you make a certain amount of these choices, actually what's been proven is that you will be successful. 
you will cultivate love in your life. And so we teach them that they can choose love. They can turn toward their partner, as we say, and not turn away from them or even worse, against them. They can turn toward their partner, and we teach them methods to do this. We actually will have them sit across from one another, and and it's always hokey, and it always feels kind of awkward, but they will actually hold hands and stare at one another in the eyes, and we teach them to communicate that way. Because looking someone in the eyes is actually a deep expression of love and empathy. Touch is an expression of that. Our great hope in doing this and teaching these methods and giving them this research is not that, you know, they would change their lives in that very moment and then we would get to send them off and they would get to live happily ever after and go off into that perfect life that they've been dreaming of. They're actually often too distracted by the big upcoming day to take in much of what we're saying and, you know, that's okay and I would actually say rightly so. They have a lot going on. But our hope is that we would plant a seed within them and that when it gets bad, when the fighting begins, when there's distance or hurt feelings or shame, uncertainty, change, failure, disappointment, in those moments, it's our hope that they will remember that they can still choose love. They really can. And for John, that's Jesus' hope too, I think. For his disciples specifically, but really we might say for all of us here. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that there's division coming. He knows there's strife coming. There's discouragement, rage in some cases, sadness. How he knows it's all coming, I don't know, but he knows and he knows his disciples likely will not change in that moment, even after all the bread and all of the wine that they've had. But maybe, just maybe, something will sprout in the future. Maybe they'll remember to choose love in just one of those instances, and maybe that will make all the difference. In any case, he wants them to know what he wants and that it's achievable. And he wants you to know that too. Jesus wants us to know that in moments when it feels easier to gossip about someone, you can choose to go directly to them and talk to them about your issue. Jesus wants us to know that in moments when it feels easy to complain that something didn't go according to plan, you can choose to pitch in, help out, make it better, or you can choose to find something good in it. In moments where something is unjust and wrong, you can choose to speak up about it. Moments when you've messed up, you've sinned, You can work to make it right. In moments when you are angry, you can take a deep breath. In moments when you're sad, you can cry. You can laugh. You can smile. 
You can be patient and kind. You don't have to insist on your own way. You don't have to boast or brag. You can listen. You can love. You really can. Friends, you can always, always choose love. And I know this because I watched my mother do it year after year. And I hear the words of Jesus speaking to us today. You can choose love. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for your son. Thank you for mothers. And God, thank you for love. Help us to see that we can choose love every single day. Amen.